welcome back guys to the second episode of our podcast hypocritical um my name is param i'm back and hi it's scott i'm back as well um and unfortunately our third member aditya is feeling poorly um today he's not feeling too well i think he's lost his voice so he won't be able to be here today but um you know me and scott just hope that we can pull his weight and you know make up for the tremendous loss that our team is facing today so i hope you still enjoy the podcast without aditya but um um so yes scott how have you been I'm good, thank you, Varam. Uh, yeah, it's been busy summer holiday. Yeah, you know, we're recording this on um, three days before GCSE results day, so I think both of us are kind of anxious as to see what we what comes through and stuff like that. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. You need to do well in this so that you can move on to the next stage. Next stage of A-levels. But yes, yeah. um, nothing better to get your mind off of your results than a good old... Right. Medical, huh? My dog's barking. <laughs> Scott's dog is barking, so let's take a pause for that. Anyways, uh, moving on to today's episode. So today's episode is actually um, off the back of the news that was out a few days ago that in the UK, 16 and 17-year-olds will now be able to get the COVID vaccine. Um, so this week, GP surgeries in England and Wales will be able to contact the age group and in Northern Ireland, walking centres are now taking them. So, on first glance, this is great news for us. It's great news for the UK. But there are ethical issues um, besides the idea that 16 and 17 year olds don't actually need parental consent, which is actually completely different to what we're talking about today, but also something to consider. But what we want to discuss is the fact that you know, in the UK, 70%, over 70% of um, the UK population has received a first dose of the vaccine. But in the global south, in the developing world, only 1.1% of people have received a first dose of the vaccine. And this is um, as of August 8th from uh, our world and data. So this is obviously quite shocking. So Scott, what are your first thoughts about this kind of inequity? And how do you think the UK and and other, um, you know, G7 developed nations have been doing so far in terms of vaccine sharing? Well, personally, I think that um, the sharing hasn't been that great. Uh, there's like statistics, aren't there? Such as that Canada has pre-ordered almost nine doses of COVID-19 vaccines per person. And that just goes to show how the wealthier countries are sort of hoarding the vaccines for themselves. And although that is good for those countries, in that like, countries such as the UK, as you said, have had a really good vaccination effort, you just have to remember that there are loads of countries that are really suffering from the pandemic and who don't have access to these vaccines, so they're just going to keep suffering. Yeah, it's almost kind of like this This kind of two sides of the world we've got over here. You know, we've all, all restrictions lifted. COVID is uh, supposedly supposed to be coming to an end for us. But in other parts of the world, you know, in so many other developed nation, um, developing nations, COVID is a huge concern and it's pushing people further and further into poverty. While we're over here going out and enjoying ourselves, there's a whole other side of the story. So back to some more kind of statistics on what's been going on. Boris Johnson pledged, pledged to the G7 leaders that the UK would share every single one of its surplus vaccines to poor, poorer countries. Um, but as of June 2021, not one single vaccine has been shared. Not one, no vaccines have been donated. 
because the government says that while the UK continues vaccinating its adult populations, it has no surplus vaccines. Hi everyone, it's Param here editing just to make a correction. Um, there's actually been an update that we didn't know about uh, when we recorded the episode. So the UK has actually recently um, pledged to donate 9 million vaccine doses. Um, and this number will increase to a total of 100 million by June 2022. However, um, it's currently August and these vaccines are being shipped to um, developing nations. And the vaccines are set to expire in September. So um, while it's a nice effort from the UK, um, I definitely think still more needs to be done. And I think the episode's still relevant, even though some vaccines are starting to be shared. Um, because expired vaccines aren't exactly very helpful to these countries. But UNICEF has said that the UK can start sharing vaccines immediately. Um, I think the statistic was even if we share 20% of our vaccines, we'd still be on track to vaccinate every adult by the end of, end of July. The UK could fully vaccinate 50 million people right now, more than double the number of unvaccinated health workers in vulnerable countries without leaving any adult in the UK without a vaccine, according to UNICEF. So that just shows how many like surplus doses that we've got lying around really, that can be given to people who really need the doses. We've ordered 500 million vaccines and we've only got a population of 66 million people. So it kind of makes you think like, what is going on here? Why are we not donating the surplus, etc., etc.? Can I make a point here? And that is, firstly, if you play devil's advocate here. So firstly, I think the excess vaccines, well, people need a double dose, don't they? And then you also have the 16 and 17 year olds who are about to get it. And then I think they're even talking about a third dose vaccine to help boost uh, people who got their vaccine ages ago. But even with that, you do have to realise that there are a lot of extra vaccines and I think that there is definitely an inequity here, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, like the UN has said, without access to vaccines, the economic inequality gap is going to widen further. And, you know, it's in the UK's interest. The UK has pledged to not let this happen worldwide, you know, reducing poverty. And according to a campaign group called One, richer countries are hoarding excess doses of vaccines and buying one billion more than their citizens need, which prevents poorer nations from getting vaccinated this year. The kind of the first ethical question is, what do you think, Scott, is the rep- responsibility of the, of the UK, of, of other developed nations in this situation? What do you think is morally right? Do we have like a moral obligation to share vaccines or no? Um, well, there's a quote that I remember from somewhere, and it's that a government of a country are supposed to only look out for that country. The point of the government is to help the country itself. But that said, I think that morally, developed countries do sort of have an obligation to help out other countries. I mean, that's why um, that's why there's such a thing as, you know, charity, and even when we're not looking at the COVID picture, so I do think that uh, there is sort of an obligation, and you can look you can look even back to like a hundred years ago when the League of Nations was founded um, to look at how developed countries can really make an impact on less developed countries by helping them out, um, and history has shown us that. Yeah, these developing countries are in fact simply overexploited countries. You know, they're exploited for their resources by developing countries. They've been looted and colonized by these developed countries. And that's why they end up in the situation where they are today, where with lots of poverty. And I think, you know, 
after being some a lot of these like um developing countries used to be very rich societies which are now been plunged into poverty by um the effects of history and i think it's kind of just like a stab in the back really just kind of being like okay we're not going to help you out even after we we're the ones developed nations are really the ones that have put these countries in in here in the first place you know it's not even just um an old colonial legacy you know france still has very much power over all its old colonies through tax and resources it really doesn't make sense for developed countries to not even share covid vaccines when they have them literally lying around but i get what you're saying about kind of like the fundamentally technically speaking the role of the government is just to take care of its own people but um is it a question of uk health or is it a question of global health do we approach it from a nationalist perspective or a globalist and i think different people would have different opinions on that um it's interesting that you say that because even if the uk and other developed countries were to ha- help out these less developed countries with vaccines then there sort of is a benefit for people in the uk so there's a quote in an open letter by sir jeremy farrar and stephen woe and it says that the world won't be safe while any single country is still fighting the virus. Now, that suggests that it actually is of greater benefit to the UK and other developed countries if the vaccines are sent to these less developed countries. And uh, that's from a health perspective, because if you think about it, even if the whole of the UK's population is vaccinated, and even if like other developed countries like Canada are also in that position, if COVID is still out there in these less developed countries, then it's just going to stay there. And eventually, as the vaccines get less effective, if they do, then there is still a risk for people. Yeah. So even for the people who approach it, specifically COVID vaccines, from a nationalist perspective, the virus can mutate in developing countries because the virus is still rampant. And that can then travel to the UK, where our vaccines are no longer effective against these mutations. So it's in our best interest to share the vaccines as well. And I think that's what that's what um, who is saying, what health organization, that's what a lot of scientists are saying. But um, the UK has committed to certain things to relieving poverty. So the UN has got basically they've got 17 global goals, um, but to like achieve by 2030. And one of them is to end extreme poverty. And that go roadmap the global goals has been adapted by all un member states of course the uk is one of them but covid19 the pandemic has obviously hugely undermined the progress on achieving all of these goals especially extreme poverty but still it's still the uk's duty to um ensure that the world gets back on track with this and to make sure that um all countries have a chance to recover um but that the whole any chance of that is being destroyed because of rich nations holding the vaccine. So since the UK has adopted the global goals agenda, since they're part of the UN and they've agreed to take part in to achieve these goals, to try and achieve these goals by 2030, is it morally unjust if they go back on their word? Uh, that's an interesting question, because if three, I think that three of the pillars of medical ethics come to mind here, beneficence, non-maleficence and justice as you said and i think that by not giving the vaccines to these less developed countries it's sort of um it's quite controversial in relation to those three pillars by not helping out people in poorer countries who might get seriously ill from covid it sort of seems to be going against beneficence and 
as you said, it sort of violates justice as well. What have those people done to not deserve the same right to get vaccinated? The pillars of medical ethics are not just confined to the doctor's surgery. They're not just confined into the, you know, the hospital. They, they're very much important in public health and global health as a whole. And I think you're right about the justice thing, because justice is about, you know, distributing resources equally and where they are needed. If, you know, you've got a certain amount of kidneys, you've got a certain amount of organ, would you give it to the, per- to the patient you know, is a is serious, is in critical condition, in ICU, about to die, you know, needs a transplant straight away? Or would you give it to a patient who, or let's say it's a liver, and would you give it to someone who's, you know, has got complete, severe, severe liver disease, is going to die if they don't um, get a, a liver straight away? Or would you give it to someone who, you know, they drink every once in a while, and, you know, they just want to be protected in case anything ever happens to their liver? Right, you, it's clear you give it to the one who's much more likely to be affected, and that's the same thing with the COVID vaccines. You know, we're giving it to, we are the UK is about to start giving it to 16 and 17 year olds who are perfectly healthy and are not very serious, severely affected by COVID, and there's healthcare workers working in hospitals in developing countries, which is which means they are very vulnerable who still don't have who are still not vaccinated. But I guess taking this on to a more personal note, you know, it's very easy for us to debate this. But when it comes down to it, would you personally be willing to delay restrictions or, well, rather, they've all been fully lifted now in the UK. Would you be willing to, you know, reinstate restrictions, COVID restrictions, to prioritise vaccinated vulnerable people in other countries? So I think that if we would have to go through restrictions for another period of time, hopefully not very long, but just like a few, maybe a few uh, months or weeks, it might be worth it in the long term because it could potentially stop COVID completely if the whole world, including less developed countries, is um, fully vaccinated. So it might be, uh, it might be worth it in the long term. I um, would say that I completely agree, obviously. Personally, I would because, um, you know, the, I think the the effects of the lockdown in this country, while they are important to consider, I'll get onto that in a second. It save it's going to save lives, which is uh, in other countries a lot of lives. So I think that that's definitely kind of sharing the load, if you will, rather than some people having it great, some people having it perfect, completely COVID free, and some people literally having a horrible pandemic. I think if you know, some countries, a lot of countries are more in lockdown, but less people are dying in developing countries. It's kind of a compromise, which I'd be willing to come to. But at the same time, there are putting us into another lockdown in the UK, playing devil's advocate here, by the way. Um, it does go against some of the, it does go against the pillars of medical ethics in some way, because, you know, it goes against non-maleficence because, you know, in lockdown, we've seen that um, mental health is very much affected, domestic abuse goes up, and we know these facts. So putting us into a lockdown voluntarily is um, kind of subjecting the UK population to this. So it is, it is definitely not without cons. So like, for example, with me, I'm not vaccinated yet. And though I would like a vaccine, because I know that vaccines are helpful if I would personally was to get the virus, I think that it's probably more probably more worth it for other countries to have the vaccines to fully uh to fully uh immunize their populations too 
so that the whole world can be free of COVID. I think it's a whole national, uh, international effort. Exactly, you know, our world is connected. If some countries are still suffering, everyone is suffering. We cannot, we cannot kind of separate ourselves in, in, in terms of a virus that spreads so quickly. And then, you know, there, it's not like, it's not like um, developing countries aren't calling for this. You know, a lot of them, South Africa, India, more than 100 of them, they've called on the World Trade Organization to temporarily waive um, patents for vaccines so that they can immunize their population. But, you know, rich countries, the US, the EU, Canada, Switzerland, they're all block- blocking this kind of proposal because um, they say, obviously, it would cut profits. And I think that kind of raises an interesting question that's very topical at the moment with privatisation of the NHS and all. Um, you know, to what extent does this profit motivated vaccine rollout align with the principles of the NHS and, you know, the fundamentals of medicine as a whole? So I think that the whole concept of economic profit while others are suffering, I think that that is, it just doesn't seem that ethical, does it? It's like there's an example here that anti-retroviral drugs to treat HIV, so they entered the market in the mid-1990s, and yet uh, the the price of these drugs was set so high that um, in order to make a profit for these richer countries, that less less developed, less wealthy countries, such as in some countries in Africa, um, they couldn't afford those drugs. And as a result, there were 12 million Africans who died between 1997 and 2007. And that is a lot. And that's so many lives that could have been saved for simply because of economic greed, if you think about it. And um, this whole profit-motivated attitude to medicine goes against the NHS constitution. You know, when it was established by um, Aaron Bevan in 1948, one of the key, one of the few key principles of it was that the access to the NHS services is based on clinical need, not based on an individual's ability to pay. Yeah. So in that respect, I think it's important that we don't repeat history. We can't, re- we can't, um, let the developing world face this pandemic and face so many more deaths over the years to come while we, you know, go out partying in nightclubs. I don't think that that's responsible. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that's kind of... We've, we've come to that conclusion today and we hope that, that you kind of agree with us. If you don't agree, check us out on Instagram at Hippocratical Podcast. Tell us why you don't agree, you know. Give us your opinion in the comments. Um, we'll be interested to hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're definitely interested to hear other people's views. Um, so yeah, I think that's all we had to talk about today. It's been a really interesting episode. Tune in to us next time. Uh, quickly, I'm just going to quickly give thing of the socials. We have created a TikTok at Hippocratical Podcast on TikTok. So go follow us on TikTok. Um, you, it's in our Instagram bio. Um, it's also, I think it will be in our Spotify bio. Um, I'll go and check if it's not. Find us on Instagram at Hippocratical Podcast and you'll be able to find it. You can also um, email us with your feedback. Um, and yes, please do share this podcast um, on all social medias. Uh, we are really trying to reach 100 followers on Instagram. So if you haven't followed us on Instagram, please, 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 please do. Um, and yeah, see you next time, guys. And have a great day. Bye.